At the start of 2021, we aired my interview with Dr. Jonas Attalus about humility and power in patient communication. Now, Dr. Attalus was recently featured in a Stat News article. I'll tell you about that article, and you can hear Dr. Attalus's interview next. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel, and this is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, your partners in health equity-focused education and communication. Visit healthcommunicationpartners.com. There you'll also get the complete show archive for this series and transcripts for every episode. Are you signed up for our newsletter? What are you waiting for? It's good. And you'll be the first to hear our upcoming big announcement about equitable communication in healthcare. Now, Dr. Adelis's interview was about issues of trust and power and how they relate to patient-physician communication. And his stories were so compelling, that episode became our most popular episode of the whole year of 2021. Now, Dr. Adelis again tells some of his stories along with other Black physicians in an article from Stat News called it was stolen from me. Black doctors are forced out of training programs at far higher rates than white residents. I'll put the link in the show notes. And the title really says it all. This is about institutional racism in medical schools. So I'll encourage you to read that article. And in case you missed it, here is Dr. Jonas Adelis on humility and power in patient-physician communication. I'm live via Skype with Dr. Jonas Attalus. Dr. Attalus is a first-year resident in internal medicine at Boston Medical Center. Dr. Attalus, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to have an opportunity to speak with your listeners. So you and I know each other from the Social Medicine Consortium, and we have been talking lately about patient education and about health literacy, um, because they're both topics that we care deeply about. Um, and you also have a podcast show. Yeah, yeah we do. I, we have the social medicine on air where we try to share with, uh, mostly with people on medical school, public health, nursing school, other people inside our medical community to, to understand the social aspect of medicine, to understand mm -hmm. that medicine is not only about the biomedical aspect, there is, you know, emotion, there is social barriers, there is um, all the social aspect that we don't learn in medical school, but that help you to become a much better physician and a much better human being too. You and I have talked about quite a number of different topics, and we thought it would be nice to just get on the show together and continue that discussion. So what what would what's been kind of front of mind for you lately? Yeah, um, you know something that is really interesting in medicine is like we receive an undergrad education and then a medical school education and then four years of training and some people receive seven years of training, um, but we are sometimes forget our long journey and we thought sometimes forget at some point we didn't know that much and that deep uh, in medicine. So the patient that I have in front of me, it's mm. like it's like me, but like let's say eight years ago, or mm. me, um, like in the past. So 
so sometimes we forget that the level of knowledge the patient has, I used to have it. But now because I went to a medical training, so my, my knowledge is broad and deeper. And then now you have two people and two different perspectives trying to communicate to each other. Mm. And that creates a sense of sometimes frustration, unsatisfaction, um, or sometimes misunderstanding um, mm. because it's like me speaking a different language and then one person is speaking Creole or Haitian Creole or French and then while the other person is speaking English. So I use this image just to help people understand that um, sometimes we have to go back and help them understand um, things that we used to understand at a different uh, moment in our life. This image of you as your present self and then looking at the patient as, well, remember how I was eight years ago. You have these these two people and this this kind of past self. How are you dealing with this rather complex issue of trying to remember when you didn't know what you know now? Um, I think the first thing I try to become aware uh, become present, become aware that at some point I I was not able to know that much in medicine. But also the people around me, let's say family or people who have not gone through the medical journey that I did, also remind me um, that past self or, 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 or the, the person I used to be when I didn't know that. So now when I'm in front of the patient, I try to remember all that and say, okay, I have this patient in front of me and I and the patient has a kidney failure, for example. And it's like you have a big highway and then you get a lot of car and then all those cars create a traffic jam. That's what's happening with this uh, protein that should stay in your muscle, now is in your blood. So by blocking that, blood cannot pass. So he... he it, it starts damaging your kidney. So not only the myoglobin, which is the protein, can affect directly your kidney, but also the fact that it's blocked, doesn't allow the kidney to work properly. So by using an image that people see every day, I can help them understand what's happening. I feel like from what I hear in, in my conversations across the health sector, it seems like it can be a slippery slope sometimes from explaining something to a patient in everyday language to starting to talk down to that patient mm -hmm. as if they were a child, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which is pejorative, or if they were um, as if they didn't know anything, as if they were an empty vessel, which is insulting. How do you avoid this? Okay, I I have a blessing. I have a gift. Both of my parents didn't finish elementary school. Okay, so I'm a first gen. Um, so when I'm speaking with my parents, I cannot talk to them the same way I'm speaking even with my older brother. Because my older brother is an engineer, so he can understand a lot of things that I'm explaining. So when I'm speaking with my parents, I have to use language that they can understand. 
and they will remind me that too. My, I will, like, I will say something to my dad, and he will say that now say it. I can understand it. So because I already know my parents are like that, and I already know that, sh- or I should speak with other people who don't share the same background as me. So I'm always trying to not use medical term mm. as often as I can. So there is a lot in what you just shared that, as an educator, I I agree with wholeheartedly. And as a literacy researcher, I agree with wholeheartedly. What are you learning from trying to speak with your patients in this way? Well, well I, I learn every day. You know, I never... I never had a chance to speak with a patient without learning from something from the patient. Like um, it's, you know, I never, it's, it's like every day somebody teach me something different, something that I may not think, uh, they, they always open my mind to something. They always teach me, um, they always teach me something. And that the thing, things that we can take for granted about the way that language relates to culture in the healthcare setting. Yeah. How do we judge people when they're not using the language that we expect, mm-hmm. when they're not using the terminology that we expect, mm-hmm. and how easy it can be to make judgments about them based on their not meeting the, the rules that we have in our head that maybe we haven't had a good chance to look at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say? What do you have any words of advice or or anything to say to to residents who are listening, to attendings who are listening, to medical <laughs> students who are listening? So I feel like it's normal for people to mistrust us. So so when mm-hmm. somebody trusts me as a doctor, that's a privilege, mm-hmm. that's a responsibility, and that's a power too. Um it's like it's like in Spider-Man. It's a with great privilege, with great <laughs> power come great responsibility, and I think the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power. So, so, so if I have to speak with a medical student in attending or wherever is listening to me right now, I will say, understand you have so much power. You represent power actually. Not only you have it, you represent it. To the patient so it's not the time to show how much you know anymore it's not the time to try to convince somebody anymore it's not the time to i don't know to show to show off uh i don't know i think it's the time to step back and say i know this patient understand how much power i represent let me try to communicate in a language that person can understand and I think whenever we do that, the patient can pick that up. The patient can pick up who is behaving in a human way with, with him or her and who is being rude. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, Dr. Adelis. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, and, and thank you for, for taking your time, not only to interview me, but also to share knowledge. Thank you. This has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. 
from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.